All right, here we are once again. It is time for another confirmation podcast. Woohoo! All right, we are up to this people of promise that we began talking about last week when we had uh, we talked about Abraham and Sarah and and them leaving their home that they were that they had grown accustomed to that all their family would have been around and instead find their place in a new land because God had promised that from you would be a great nation, right? And a nation meant children. And it meant land, and not only that, but that through you, you would be a blessing to everyone else, to the whole world through that. Now, we kind of heard as that came about, and at the very end of our time uh, last week, we heard about Isaac, and Isaac showing up laughter, right? Isaac, the name laughter, showing up, and he is now in their lives. So what I wanted to do was... um, This week, we are actually going to hear how this promise continues. It kind of continues to roll over, over, and over, and over again. But it takes time, and to be honest with you, what I always find fascinating in these stories is that the messiness of what human beings do still continues to show up. It still is uh, complicated and just kind of weird and bizarre sometimes. So... So the first thing we're going to talk a little bit about is we're going to fast forward a little bit. So um, so uh, Abraham and Sarah have had Isaac. Uh, Isaac um, gotten a little bit older. He has gotten married. He is now married to Rebecca. And Abraham has just died. And so now we're going to pick up right about, let's see, it's going to be uh, Genesis 25. We're going to start with verse 19 because now we're going to hear about the next generation after Isaac. So these are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean of Padan Aram, sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife Rebekah conceived. The children struggled together within her. Sort of side note, they were kind of fighting in her womb, right? And she said, if it is to be this way, Why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now when her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle. So they named him Esau. Again, side note. So the name Esau actually means hairy. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob, which means sort of heel grabber. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Now when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, he liked eating animals, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now once, when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff, for I am famished. Therefore he was called Edom, which means red. And Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and rose and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. All right. Now this sort of sets the stage for another story that I'll talk about it, but in a minute. But 
But you can kind of see that there is this tension, right, between Esau and Jacob. It comes out even in their birth, right, even before they're born. I mean, they're kind of fighting and warring against each other a little bit. And, and you have these interesting sort of moments. They're very different. Esau is a hunter, and Jacob likes to kind of hang around the tents. Um, Esau is also sort of... Uh, um, Gosh, he's just his head just kind of gets ahead of the rest of whatever is going on, right? So um, he comes in from the field and he's starving. He's at home. He could go eat something else, but he says, "No, no, no! Give me this! Give me this, or else I'm gonna die." And Jacob said, "All right, well, uh, give me your birthright. Give me your inheritance." Is basically what he's saying here. Give me all of the land and all of the the flocks and everything that our family owns. You're gonna give it to me now. And Esau goes, "Well, okay, fine." And so he does. I mean, there's this there's this really kind of interesting moment. Now, in a few chapters later, Isaac, Jacob and Esau's father, is getting older. And he is um, getting close to dying. And he's blind. And so he wants to bless his child, which sort of means, again, sort of the blessing keeps getting passed along, right? From child, from father to son, from down this line. And so... Um, so actually, there's a, a weird little moment here where Rebecca will actually sneak Jacob in because we know that Esau is hairy. It's in his name. Uh, she'll put like a fur on him. And because Isaac can't see, he actually ends up blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And so again, this sort of weird tension between brothers that we heard about even way back in Cain and Abel, the ways in which human beings can trick each other and deceive each other and hurt one another continues to happen. And so actually after this, uh, Jacob has to run off because Esau's so angry, he's going to kill him. And, it, and when he runs off, he gets married and he uh, has a bunch of kids. Uh, he ends up having 12 kids by uh, four different women. Uh, in that coming back, he's going to come back. Um, we're actually going to read the story about that because he's going to meet God along the way. So we're going to spend a little time on that story. But um, it's in this setting up of the ways in which uh, brothers at family really start to kind of wear on one another, that they, that they fight and deal with all kind of difficult things. And that will continue even into the next generation. So these 12 sons that Jacob have will have the same kind of relationship. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to jump ahead to Genesis 37, and we're going to hear a little bit about how those brothers are interacting. And there's going to be one main character, and that's Joseph. And Joseph is, uh, let's see, is Jacob's uh, second to youngest child. It's also with his, and this is weird, his favorite wife, um, the one he actually seemed to care about. Uh, isn't that wonderful too? So um, here we have, I'm going to actually read all of chapter 37 just because it's really important to this. So here we go. So Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, who is also Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. This is going to be the, the special coat that he has, right? But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And once Joseph had a dream. 
And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, and then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream, told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me, right? The sun, the moon, his father and mother, eleven stars, his eleven brothers, okay, were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what kind of dream is this that you've had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. And so he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. Joseph came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and then we'll show you a wild animal has devoured him, and we'll, we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore. They took him and threw him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. And then Judah said to his brothers, uh, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite trader, traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And then they took Joseph to Egypt. Now when Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and, and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph robe, Joseph's robes, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father, and they said, This we have found. See now whether it is your, father, your son's robe or not. Now Jacob recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters sought to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol, Sheol is the place of the dead, to my son, mourning. And thus his father bewailed him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Now, this story will kind of continue on and on. Joseph is not done. He will um, 
He will get into some more trouble. He will have some more dreams. Um, and eventually, though, uh, will go and interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. And it will be these uh, these seasons of plenty and then these seasons of famine that are coming. And so Joseph gets sort of put in charge of, of all of Egypt uh, right below Pharaoh so that he could administer everything and make sure that they are taken care of during that famine. And in the middle of that famine, who shows up at Pharaoh's door for to ask for food? Oh, it's all those brothers. And so there's some uh, some trickery that goes on. Joseph uh, hides who he is and and um, gets them to leave one of the son the brothers with him and um, just all kinds of stuff kind of goes on. But eventually reveals who he is and um, and kind of brings them in. So in the mid- middle of all of this, um, kind of guides them, brings their father, brings uh, all of the family and everything into Egypt to be cared for during this time, this time of famine. But but you can see how um, how these these sort of family relationships, um, God working through them and trying to do good, still we get kind of in the way of that whole thing. So. Um, so fast forward a little bit to the very last chapter of Genesis 50, and uh, Jacob, or Israel, has died. And um, there comes this moment again that the brothers get a little worried, because Joseph's still pretty powerful, and they're a little concerned. So they say, this is um, Genesis 50, chapter 15. I'm oh, sorry, Genesis 50, verse 15. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us? And pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him. So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good, in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. And in this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. All right, in closing, let's see. We have these stories of family not getting along, cheating one another, uh, wanting to sell one of their brothers into slavery. I mean, it's it's just kind of a mess out there. Um, and yet, God continues to work. God continues to give that promise. And it continues to even work, despite how goofy humans can be. So, um, Here's the question that I have for you. Has there ever been a time when you felt like everything was sort of going wrong? You might feel like um, uh, Jacob did when he's on the run from his brother, or uh, you might feel like you've been, like uh, Joseph, been sold into slavery, or you, on the flip side of it, you also might feel angry at somebody, or um, you might feel like you've been tricked. Uh, any of those kinds of things, to kind of put ourselves in places in these uh, in these passages. So those kinds of bad situations, has there ever been good that has come out of them? What is it like being in those circumstances, first off? But then also, um, has there been good that has come out of it? Has has learning taken place? Um, has hope continued to pop up? Talk about it. We'll talk about it a little bit uh, when we get together on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to it. Y'all take care. Bye.